Alrighty, we're back for another exciting edition of Cloverleaf Radio. I'm the host with the most, the king of the quarantine, Jimmy Falcon, and we are back. Joined by a man we've had on the show, I was thinking today, four or five times in the last ten years, Larry Hankin. How are you, Larry? Uh, I'm just uh, fine. I'm, I'm sequestered. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm just trying to dodge a virus. I think we all are. How's your last year been since COVID started? What have you been up to? Um, well, it's been pretty good for, for me. Uh, I, I kind of uh, used the time very well now looking back uh, and examining the last year. Yeah, I just stayed in the house and since I was, you know, I mean, you go out for supplies and stuff and food, and but I, I just stayed in the house and I, I've been writing. So I used the time to, to, to my ends very well. Uh, I wrote two screenplays and I'm working on um, a book now. So yeah, I've just been writing. It's been, uh, uh, you know, it, it's been hard because of the, the COVID thing, but artistically, it's been very good for me because it just cleared all. You know, I don't go, I didn't go out much for a year, and that's uh, writing time to me. So that's cool. Well, that's great, Larry. Yeah, I think sadly none of us got out much in 2020. Um, but the good thing was, it seemed like we, uh, the actors especially were able to adapt, and a lot of the um, at-home stuff was being shot. So, I mean, thankfully, you know, there was still entertainment. People were still working somewhat, but, like, you know, it was very difficult. And writing a uh, book's yeah. got to be uh, hard, especially writing about yourself, I heard, is the hardest thing yeah. to write about. Well, um, for me, it was really easy because of the, of the, of the rules that we set down before I... I started writing the book, uh, which I would recommend to anybody, and that was, uh, I used to be a stand-up comedian, I did very well, I was touring, and you know, I was opening for the Kingston Trio, I did the Playboy Clubs, I was opening for Miles Davis, and uh, the Blues Project, and uh, rock, a lot of rock bands, so, so I had a great uh, career uh, for a while, I got out of it because uh, there was more money in Hollywood. But I, I, I was a stand-up comedian. So when COVID hit and I was uh, sequestered in my house, uh, my, my apartment, I was trying to figure out how I could use the time artistically. You know, what? So I thought, okay, Zoom was starting to get really big in the beginning there. And mm-hmm. It's pretty big now. So I was doing a lot of Zoom uh, podcasts because... I guess it was because of um, the Breaking Bad movie, uh, El Camino. I was in that. So they, they, because I was in the movie, I was obligated to do commercial, to, to not commercials, but to do interviews for the movie, you know, to, to, to promote the movie. I was obligated to do that. We all were. So I was doing a lot of Zoom interviews, and I thought, geez, I do these very well, you know, and I was, they would ask me about, Breaking Bad and show business, and I was telling them all about these stories, and they would be recorded on Zoom, you know, talking to the interviewer, and I started to watch them, and I thought, you know, I should do this. I should just do a lot of Zoom stuff. So I got one of the interviewers to just interview me, and I gave him the questions to ask me about my life, and uh, we would meet every Saturday for an hour, 
and I, and he would ask me these questions about my life uh, in, in show business. You know, like what was it like working with Clint Eastwood? What was it like working with this guy, that guy on that set, this director? And um, we got eight hours worth. So that was wow. in the can, and it was all recorded on Zoom. And two things happened from that. Uh, one was somebody saw it and thought, hey, that would be good on Patreon. So it's going up on Patreon now, I guess, next week. All, all my show business stories that are recorded on, on a, through Zoom. So that was one, one thing. And, then, uh, and that was all my show business stories about working in the business. And then uh, somebody uh, said um, that I should write a book. You know, they heard the stories, and they said, you know, that would be break a great book. So what I did was I got all the Zoom podcasts, and I, I was doing it with people who didn't have Zoom, but I was just, you know, like uh, like you, you know, you're, we're doing this on uh, just audio. Mm -hmm. So I got another guy who was uh, doing audio uh, podcasts, and, uh, and so I'll be just talking, you know, no, no visual. And then somebody saw a uh, a Zoom podcast, and they were talking about cartoons. Uh, you know, uh, you, you know this uh, Tig Nataro. Uh, she's a stand-up comedian. Mm -hmm. So she's got a show on it for half an hour, and she does these half-hour stand-up routines in front of an audience. Oh, cool! And they record them, uh, voice, vo at least voice recording them. And they, they and she sold them uh, a half-hour piece to this cartoon network. No, not to a cartoon production company. So now, so I was watching them, and she has a half-hour show, a cartoon show. It's her stand-up, but it's drawn by cartoons. So oh, what she's talking about is what they're drawing, is what the cartoon wow. is about. Like she's standing up in front of, a uh, in front of an audience in a, in a show, and she's talking about, uh, uh, you know, her... her I guess her her mom, you know, some funny thing that happened with her and her mom, and they drew that, and so that's the cartoon you're watching while, and you hear the audience laughing because it's a recorded thing. So that's what I suggested to this cartoon guy who called me and said, "Hey, you know, this would make great cartoon." So I said, "Yeah, well, I got it all recorded. So, you know, I, I did these half hour, these hour recordings." He he watched. I guess the podcast that I was, that, that started him thinking about cartoons, he just watched them, just me talking to his interviewer. And he said, yeah, it would make a great cartoon. So I'm talking about him that way. And all the recordings now are being typed up into a book. So in other words, wow. I, I'm writing a book, but they're really recordings that are being typed up. Oh, nice. And that's going to be the book. So, yeah, so the COVID and being sequestered really turned out great for me, again, artistically. You know, in a lot of other ways, it bothered me a lot, as, it, as everybody. But artistically, yeah, I, I got um, a prop, probably about, let's see, uh, six, uh, probably 12 good, solid hours of, of, of like, stand-up material. You know? Wow. That, yeah, and so I'm just... And now I got it banked, so all saved. And uh, people are, you know, there's a Patreon show, and then there's a cartoon show, and I'm getting a book out of it. So that's kind of cool. That's awesome.
I love how you yeah. call it sequestered. That's that's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I like that word. It's a nice word. I like to say that word. Yeah. <laughs> be nice if we got yeah. paid for having to deal with COVID, though. Well, some people are getting paid to be vaccinated. I mean, I got yeah, vaccinated long true. before all the money started to be offered and stuff like that. But, I mean, I, you know, to, I don't understand. I don't understand Homo sapiens, so I, I don't understand uh, COVID at all. Uh, I mean, people's reaction to it. You're right. Uh, you know, as far as species go, Homo sapiens. I mean, we're the stupidest ones on the planet. <laughs> I mean, as far as Homo sapiens, as far as vertebrate mammals, and 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 I'll even include some invertebrates. We are the stupidest. Uh, uh, biological species on this planet, really. And I'm not like being funny about it. I truly, truly believe what I'm saying. Some people laugh and think it's, it's funny, and that's cool. I can, you know, do a stand-up. But, uh, yeah, because what our, we've lost touch with our instincts. We're now on digital. Digital was the worst things for our instincts. Uh, we, we've given up on instincts, and we just rely on either experts or what we see on the internet mm-hmm. or what we get through blogs and, uh, you know, just for, so if we were, if we were not a self-aware species, see, that's, that, that was the, that was the fault in our, not in our stars, but in ourselves, <laughs> uh, being self-aware. Animals aren't self-aware, so their egos don't get involved. Mm-hmm. They don't, they don't have digital, they don't have rocket ships. They just rely on their instincts, and their instincts serve them very well. Right. So a lot of species, uh, you know, survive for many millions of years. We've only been on this planet for uh, approximately 250,000 years. So we're one of the youngest species on this planet. We don't think about that. But there have been species who've been on this planet for millions of years mm-hmm. and become extinct. We've only been on this planet for 250,000 years, so we've got a couple of years to go to still become extinct. And uh, a pandemic is one of the things that can do it. And we're being stupid about it. Now, we have vaccines, and we have ways of preventing that. Really simple. Just get a vaccination. And 40% of homo sapiens, I, I think, on the planet won't do it. You know, they're just against it. Yeah. And that's anti-species. That's digital. They got that, that resistance, I'm not going to have a vaccination, through digital means. Either the internet or on, a, a, on an iPod or a phone, like I'm talking to you right now, talking to their friends. Or, you know, but they're getting their information not from what they perceive and feel and know, but from a, a, an ulterior input messaging mm-hmm. thing called digital info. Well, that's, to me, it's anti-species. You know, it's just, and we don't have much time, you know. We, we could be in about 200 years if we just ignore, like, say, pandemics. Um, in about two, two, three hundred years, you know, 
I mean, we got rockets. I, I, this is another thing I don't understand. Uh, I'm, I'm going to rant here. <laughs> You're good, Larry. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to rant here. We, we have rockets, and everybody goes, wow, man, you know, Tesla and uh, you know, Amazon, you know, uh, Bezos and stuff like that. Hey, uh, Tesla, hey, hey, Bezos, you got maybe, what, five people up into space? There's four to five billion people on this planet, guys. How are you going to stuff us into your four <laughs> passenger rockets? I mean, come on. You know, get real. We're not going anywhere. I mean, jeez, you know. Oh, you know, so we'll go. And, and, and also, we have no concept of uh, finiteness. You know, we came into being. Homo sapiens, 250,000 years ago, uh, 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 with um, no uh, no tools, you know, and and we just kind of thought everything is free, forever and infinite. <laughs> that's how we. That's what cavemen thought. Well, you know, if, if we we run out of you know killing bisons or rabbits, we'll just go over the hill and do it again. Well, we've run out of going over the hills, you know. We've met the enemy, and the enemy is us. Uh, and that's Walt Kelly. That's deep. Uh, what? That's pretty deep. Well, but it's true. And he said this in 1960 or 1959 or 60, he said that. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah. And uh, we, we just uh, think, uh, well, we'll get... Well, when the aluminum runs out here, we'll just dig over there. When the coal runs out here, we'll go over there. When the oil runs out here, we'll go over there. When the food runs out here, we'll just plant over there. When we don't have enough room to build houses here, we'll just build them over there. How long do you think that's going to go on? Yeah, until there's no more room. Well, we got to plant it, you know. When we, we 8,000 years ago, we had the same brain we have now. We just didn't have all the tools and digital. And we were thinking that. Well, we'll just move over there. Oh, we'll just plant over here. Because if you go straight in that direction, I'm now pointing, for those of you on the uh, listening, I'm now <laughs> pointing extremely west. I'm pointing west. And if I said to somebody with the same brain we had 8,000 years ago, I'd say, okay, if you go west the way I'm pointing, and you keep going west the way I'm pointing, where would you end up? in four billion years. Oh, oh, no, no. Where would you end up in um, uh, 500 years? Well, the, the Cro-Magnon man or the guy with the 8,000 years ago brain, he would say, well, you'd end up 500 years ago, or 500 years west from where you are now if you started walking straight west for 500 years. You'd be 500 years west. But if I said that to a child now, if I point west and you kept on walking west for 500 years, where would you be? And a smart child would say, you would be coming from the east. That's true, you know, right? It's a round planet, right? Mm -hmm. You'd walk around. Okay. Well, we're still thinking, if you walk 500 years west, you'd be 500 years. In other words, we're still thinking everything is infinite. No, it's round. 
So we're going to run out of land. If you're walking west 8,000 years ago, you don't run out of anything. It's infinite. You're walking straight, infinite. Or you would fall off the edge. Yeah, you'd think it was flat. That's, uh, yeah, yeah, that's I'm talking about. So you would say you would start to think you would fall off the edge about three or three to 2,000 years ago. <laughs> they, they started to think that. Uh, so I, I'm saying, as a species, we have lost our instincts, our sense of what we know to be true. And that's not going to work for very much longer. It worked when, you know, there was only, you know, wagons, covered wagons. It worked. And that's what? That's maybe 200, 200, 250 years ago or less. Mm-hmm. And we were still thinking he'd fall off the edge. Covered wagons. But no, man, we're going to run, and we have no way to get off of this planet. Not for another couple of hundred thousand years. No, not not unless you got a bunch of money. Excuse me? Not unless unless you're a Bezos or Elon Musk or someone with some real income. No, no, no. I beg to differ, Ian. I beg to differ, because... No, um, where is Bezos going to go? He only got up out of the, the air layer. Yeah. He got up into the stratosphere. He didn't go anywhere. He came back. <laughs> That's what happens. You, you come back. If you got into a rocket ship, you'd keep going until you were fried by <laughs> the, um, the, what do you call it, the, the x-rays out there. Yeah, that has been proven. I mean, they've sent ships out there, and, you know, holy cow, there's a lot of x-rays out here. Well, how can we stop those x-rays? Or a lot of other things that, that are out there that, that would kill us because we grew up in air, mm-hmm. and there is none out there. So, uh, in other words, I think that we are, so, you know, to just bring it back to some sort of positiveness, we are intelligent enough to solve the problems I just complained about. But we're not doing that. that. That's my point. My point is, we are incredibly intelligent babies with access to samurai swords, is what I think. In other words, we have, we were inventing things that do us no good or hurt us in the end run. Instead of thinking about you know, preserving the planet, thinking of how to solve uh, things that are not existentially uh, toxic to our species. You know, lions have been around for a long time until we showed up. You know, we're killing them off. Elephants have been around for millions of years until we showed up. Now they're in danger. So not only are we threatening us, but we're threatening the other life forms on the planet. I mean, we're a stupid, stupid species. I'm telling you. I guess I am telling you. <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, meanwhile, I'm sequestered, and I'm, you know, doing pretty good with my artwork. <laughs> Other than that. You know, I have a lot of time to think about these things, which I guess nobody else has the time to. You know, I guess there's a couple of people on this planet who are thinking like I do, but... You know, they're, they're doing their best. You know, there's people who, you know, don't use oil and, you know, protect the air and protect the water and protect the land and protect the animals, which we eat until there aren't any more. 
and you know, and protect the plants, you know. Uh, so I could go on forever, so I'm going to stop. Okay, <laughs> I, I said enough. I said enough. Well, uh, you know, saying that it makes sense that people are stupid because, you know, this ain't going to fly right with the Christians and whatnot, but they say, you know, science says we came from the monkeys, so, <laughs> primates, so, I mean, there's... Yeah, that. well, the monkeys are going to be around for a little while longer than we are, you know, because uh, they have, still have instincts and they don't have digital, so, you know. That's true. I mean, digital is so, uh, it's so weird. You go onto the internet to look up something and, you know, what, four hours go by. What the hell did fuck <laughs> What the hell happened? Where was I? No, you were on the internet for four hours. <laughs> wow. Oh, I, that's, okay, well, I was going to go out for a walk, but I guess it's midnight now. I guess I'll stay in the house. Uh, and, you know, and then we're also losing physicality. Uh, and th this is a true thing, too. You check any... Uh, any person who's into studying or, phys you, know, uh, you know, like athletes or uh, people who train athletes or people who do uh, uh, or any kind of exercise or stuff like that. Because we're, we're always sequestered. You know, these, by the way, pandemics aren't going to stop. This is just one. If we cure this one, another one will be along. I mean, we're not through with, pande uh, with uh, pandemics at all. So, uh, so the pandemics are making us be sequestered. So we're not exercising at all, and we're gaining weight. And this, I'm talking about the species. I'm not talking about the United States or, uh, you know, your state or, or your city. I'm talking about the species. Uh, you know, e either, well, yeah, it's, it's just we're, we're sequestered. All, all the intelligent, uh, critical thinking countries are all sequestered. The, the, the poor, stupid Un, unintelligent, uh, idiotic, uh, backward countries are doing fine right now because they don't have digital, so they don't they don't they don't have to be sequestered. They they farm their stuff, you know. They walk for for their water, and that's going to stop too pretty soon. But if you look at a map of you know where the COVID thing is, you know what the red spots on the on the planet. You know, all the backward countries are totally COVID-free. It's, it's all the, the contemporary, modern countries and cities and states that are just rife with COVID, just red, red, red. And then, you know, so I, I'm just, all I do is kind of just look at stuff and use a little logic and a little critical thinking, and you start to think, hey, our species is in danger. Does anybody see that? Is anybody paying attention out there? We're running out of space and time and food and water and animals, especially uh, what? Um, alpha animals. All the big animals we're running out of. Because why? Because human beings are hunting them down and killing them for food or sport. So pretty soon no elephants, no tigers, no large animals. There will be no large animals left on this planet. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> is everybody laughing out there? Is anybody, you know, getting what I'm saying? Is it, is it making any kind of, I don't know. Right? So, you know, you want to talk about some other funny stuff? We can try. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, I know from our from our past interviews that going to your past is not always great for asking about movies and stuff. But I was curious because I saw you work with James. Yeah, go ahead. 
uh, James Garner and Debbie Reynolds in 1968. Wow. How sweet it is. Uh, wait a minute. Was that the movie or a TV? A uh, movie. I didn't even know I did that. I, I <laughs> well, according, yeah, according to Wikipedia, let's see here. Uh, but this stuff, you know, who knows? Uh, you know, I got a, a, a thing. Um, I, I was going through my, my uh, stuff that I haven't looked at in my, uh, what do you call it, my, my hard drive, my, my, my exterior hard drive. So I was going through things that I hadn't looked at in, in 10, 15, 20 years. Well, I guess however long, you know, when I first got a computer, I saved every, uh, a lot of stuff. So I was looking at it, and somebody had sent me my itinerary for, uh, of what I, jobs I had done from 1960 to 1970, 10 years. Wow. Just like, uh, yeah, it was amazing. And there's stuff in there that I had no idea I or, that I did. I, in other words, I didn't remember. And like I say, I have done 12, a, a good solid 12 hours of, of just memories, you know, from my past in show business uh, that I had recorded for the, you know, the cartoons and the book. But there's a lot of stuff in that 10 years that whoever wrote it, there's no name on it. It's just a, an itinerary of what I did for 10 years. And there's a lot of stuff on it I, I never recalled that had I not read it in this thing, I would have never even known about it so uh debbie reynolds and uh what's his name is i i'm not in my memory banks anymore james he garner yeah. <laughs> james garner yeah uh he, but he did teach me one thing that i i, I still remember as an actor because he did a weird thing when i when i worked with him on television i did one of his shows you know when he was that the gun gun guy in the in the west uh I don't know. Yeah, he had a he had a TV series, black and white, of a western, and he was a James Gardner. So anyway, he uh, we're, we're doing a scene. My scene was with him, and so you know, I go okay, action, and we're acting. And in the middle of the scene, all of a sudden, he just walks away. He just walks out of the scene, off the set, you know, and behind the camera. And and so then the director goes cut, and then. Everybody goes silent, but nobody said anything. Not like, what the hell was that? Except me. I, I didn't know what was going on. I'm, you know, I'm still standing there in front of the camera, and he's gone. So uh, he said, all right, let's take it again. You know, so just normally, nobody even mentioned that he walked out of the scene. <laughs> nobody said anything. So he said, all right, let's do it again. He just walks back in, and he's, and he goes, okay, you're ready. Yeah, okay, and action. And he does the scene again all the way through. And everybody says, okay, great, and moving on. So I go over to him and I said, hey, um, G Jim, what, what was that all about? And he goes, oh, that when I walked out? Yeah, what, what happened? Why, nobody said anything. What, what was going on? He said, oh, I learned that a long time ago. He said, look, you know, I, I'm the lead of this thing. And uh, so whatever I do, they're trying to save money. So whatever I do, they're going to use. So I didn't feel comfortable in the scene. And, and I wasn't doing my best work. But if I finished the scene and it was okay for the director, they don't care if I'm good or bad. They just want to save money and not do it again. <laughs> so if I did it successfully, quote unquote, they're going to use it. Except if I walked out of the scene and just so that they can't use it. 
that's the only way that I can protect myself from being a bad actor. It's, if I'm bad or I feel that I'm bad, I walk out of the scene so they can't use that and then I get another shot at doing it again. And they understand that because I've done it before. So, you know, just a, a heads up. If, if, if they get it on film, they're going to use it. Just remember that, kid. And I have. And I've... <laughs> Wow. So the next, the, you know, it's a, it's a very useful piece of, of mm -hmm. acting if you're a star. If, if, in other words, if, if it behooves you to, you know, protect what you do, the only protection an, ad, an actor has is to walk out of the seat. So the next week or the next job that I did, now I, I'm not a star, I wasn't a star, so he was just telling this to, you know, a, 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 day, at, a day player, me, you know. And I, but I remembered it. So the next time that I did it, uh, I I walked out of the scene. But I was just you know I was I was just like two, three, four weeks away from talking to Jim about it. So I was with a star, and I walked out of the scene because I didn't feel you know that I was doing my best work. <laughs> so I was following what Jim said. So I walked out of the scene right in the middle of the scene, mm -hmm. and the unholy hell came down on me, man. The shouting, what the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> what are you walking in? Well, I just, I didn't feel like, you just finished the scene. What the hell is it? You know, you know we got to shoot the scene. Oh, man, it was just awful. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, time and place is very important in any decisions you make. <laughs> just remember that. <laughs> so it was years before I was able to do that. Um, but I, I, I never really did it again. I mean, I never did it again ever. Because of what happened, you yeah. know, that couple of weeks after Jim. But it's a good thing, and I always keep it in my mind. I mean, I I, I remember it all the time. You know, it's just it's just going well. Well, I'll finish it. I'm not that bad. I, I guess maybe I'm not that big a star that I have to protect what I do that much. I I trust the director, you know, to to judge whether I'm good enough to do it again or not. You know, uh, but it was very in interesting. So that that's. Well, when you said James Garner, that's that's the memory I had in my show business thing. Yeah. Wow, that's very cool. Well, one more thing I wanted to ask you about. <clears throat> I noticed you uh, brought back Mr. Heckles from the Dead to be a part of the Friends reunion. That'd I be didn't. Effort. No, that was just, wow. see there. I don't there mean you, you know, did, but I mean he was brought, but you portrayed him again. Well, Whatever, but, Larry. Yes. <laughs> what was that like? Well, it was awful. I hated it. I hated every minute because I didn't want to do it. But, you know, they, they just warned me. They said, you better do that. And that's what they said to me. It would be Larry, I turned it down. Uh, not because of Mr. Heckles. Uh, I, I like the, you know, I like what I did. And he's very famous. And that's good. I mean, uh, I'm very proud of what I did with Mr. Heckles. But I did that 15, uh, you know, I don't know, 15 years ago. I don't want to do that again. I can't. I don't even remember what he what I did. That wasn't Mr. Heckles what I did. I, that was a memory of something that I thought I did. <laughs> I, I, I watched him uh, after. I, I watched him before and I watched him after. I, I, I guess, no. I watched him afterwards. Because I didn't want to do it. I turned it down and they, call, they kept wow. calling me back. And I know why they were calling me back. Because, you know, somebody turned something down and fine. They just go on. They find somebody else. It, it doesn't matter. Turning down in Hollywood is not a big deal. 
everybody does it or not. But I turned it down. They kept calling me back because every I did. I found this out later. If you will notice, did you watch the whole show? I haven't seen it yet. Now. Okay. Right. Good. Uh, it's not worth it. Uh, <laughs> but um, um, I I didn't I didn't watch it, but I, a lot of people saw it. You know, and they, they complimented mm. me on. Oh, I saw you on uh, Mr. Heckles on the, on the show, and I said, let me ask. You. I didn't I didn't watch it, but let, let me ask you something. What? Uh, how many other characters that you know walked in and out did they do that that weren't famous? You know, like they had, uh, you know, the guy that that police show, you know, uh, who was a a boyfriend of one of the one of the stars on the show, not not out of the show, but they, they had stars on. That, that's what their guests were. Stars who were did roles on friends but they they i don't i don't think they had the soup nazi on uh my point being that i turned it down and the reason they called me back is was there was nobody who wanted to be on that show the, the reunion wow and i was the yeah and i was i am one of the mr heckles and the soup nazi are the two biggest uh you know, have the biggest fans off of Friends besides the Friends and the Stars. They're the two characters that stand out the most. And I think the Soup Nazi just didn't want any more of it. I think he turned it down. So I was the last one, and I knew that. I probably just didn't. I don't think anybody else is doing this show. And, they, and finally I turned it down, and then they said, and I don't like the way they asked me. It was like threatening, you know. You better do the show. It's good for you, Larry. And I don't like to be threatened in that way. Well, I mean, it's good for me. I know what's good for me. You, you, you know. I did it 15 years ago. You still care about Larry Hankin? That's really wonderful. Thank you. Uh, I mean, yeah, I have an attitude about Hollywood that you know. Don't get me started on that. But anyway, uh, I didn't want to. Do, but then they offered me a huge amount of money. I mean, I couldn't turn it down. <laughs> so that's why I, I, I did it. But if you watch the show, my section, I think I was in the beginning, but, but it's not worth it, really. But I did watch it. Uh, somebody sent me a clip of my, my shot. Don't send me the whole thing. Just send me my part. So I, I, I watched my part, and I went, wow, man. And then I watched an old friend's thing where I was Mr. Heckles. It, not even close, man. It was just Larry Hankin dressed in Mr. Heckles' costume, <laughs> doing the best he could out of his memory. But I, that wasn't Mr. Heckles. I was in some angry guy, <laughs> some angry character. I don't know. So, you know, show business, I, I got out about uh, seven years ago. I, I haven't done anything. Uh, I, I've worked, but that's because they call me. And then, because uh, I don't have an, an agent or, or, or a manager, I, I, I got out of show business seven years ago. But people will still call me and say, hey, but they're mainly friends. And they go, you know, hey, will you be in this? You know, I go, oh, yeah, sure. Because uh, they're friends. I know what they're going to do. And they show me what, what I'm going to do. And, uh, and they know what I'm going to do. I don't have to audition. So that's kind of cool. That's a great pleasure to be an actor who doesn't have to audition much. <laughs> You know, uh, sometimes a friend will ask me to audition, but it's a friend. 
you know, so I can go in with what I want to do. And if he doesn't like it, no, you know, fine. Great. He's still my friend. You know, get, get who you can, you know, work with that, that's doing what you need. And I understand that. Uh, so, yeah, the, the Mr. Heckles reunion thing really gets my, my, he, my, he, my heckles hackles up. <laughs> well, I like the story, except, uh, Soup Nazi was on Seinfeld. What? Say that again? Uh, Soup Nazi was on Seinfeld. Oh, oh, wow. See, I get it mixed up. I mean, it's years ago I did these things. I can't, I can't keep track. But I would agree that, that Mr. Heckles and the Soup Nazi are a couple of the best, like, more memorable. Yeah, but they are the most popular on this show, mm -hmm. because I do know that. Yeah, definitely. Mr. Heckles is really very popular in Friends. And the Soup Nazi, and oh, oh, I get it. The Soup Nazi is extremely popular, the most popular on Seinfeld. But second is, guess who? Larry Hankin as Mr. Heckles. Sean Pepper. Oh, Seinfeld. Seinfeld, or Pepper, uh, a Kramer. I, I imitated Kramer. So me and the Soup Nazi. See, that's why I got it mixed up. There was a, those two and that. So those are the th the, the big three. But uh, Seinfeld doesn't cash in on that. But <laughs> but whatever the other. I, I mean, I don't know. But and the other thing is, I I I'm a fan of of uh, Seinfeld. I mean, his stand up. Mm -hmm. I mean, I used to do stand up. So when and I used to watch him. When, you know, we were doing stand-up, and I was also acting and doing stand-up at the same time. And I would, you know, w w go and watch his stand-up. He, he appeared, you know, in Hollywood at the Improv or wherever. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of his. And I was, I'm was a big fan of Larry David. You know, his writing and his directing. I mean, the guy's, you know, I, I guess he's a genius. I, I don't know what, and I, you know, I... Uh, to me, Leonardo da Vinci is a genius. After that, it kind of gets muddy. <laughs> so I, I don't know what nowadays if you're still alive, but I, I, there's a couple of what do you call it, uh, people up for it, but they have to die first, and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> you know, see if they last. Genius is, I guess, for the long, the long haul. You know, for history and stuff. Uh, but, but, you know, there's certain people that I really think are, are, are great, you know. And Seinfeld and Friends was, were great shows. They are great shows, but I don't know. You know, I was looking at, here's the internet. I, and I did get lost for four hours the other day. I, I just, I had a question for the internet. So I went on the internet. And I think I was gone for, not four hours, but a couple of hours. Uh, and so there was a thing called the Top 50, I think. The top 50 sitcoms of all times. And, you know, being on Seinfeld and being on Friends and being that they're so popular, I wondered where in the top 50 of all times they stood. So that's, that took about an hour to go through. But, but, but I found out that uh, Seinfeld and Friends in the top 50 all time are not that high up. Hmm. There's stuff from like, the black and white sitcoms that far outpaced them, which blew my mind. I thought, you know, well, they're, they're amazingly popular. But no, they were near the end. They were in the, like, you know, low 30s or what, high 30s, low 40s. Oh, wow. Uh, of popular all time. Yeah, it's amazing. There's a lot of black and white shows from, you know, from the old days that are way ahead of them. 
Honeymooners is probably up there somewhere. Well, Jackie Gleason, yeah, is is um, way more popular than either of those two shows. So yeah, uh, and, and a lot of others like that, like like Gleason around that time. So yeah, it's um, history is a, a cruel mistress. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that about covers everything. <clears throat> Goodness, about every covers uh, everything. Okay. Well, well, what have you been up to since last we talked? You still doing you're, you're doing your podcast? Anything else new? Show yeah. show business wise? Oh no, it's been doing this thirteen years. Um, wow, man, you must have talked to a lot of people. Oh yeah, a few, maybe a thousand. I'm <laughs> thinking it's hard telling because I don't number the shows, so it's who knows. Well, no, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't, I do these cameo things, you know, where people. You know, have a happy birthday to Marsha, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. It's a minute or something like that. Yeah, well, I've done about uh, 1,900. I, you know, oh, wow. uh, and the only reason I know that is the cameo people keep count. You know, so I look and go, oh. But, uh, yeah, over the, it's over the years. I mean, mm-hmm. about five, five, five years, maybe. But, yeah, it just mounts up, but you just keep doing it. That's that's a great thing. That's the one thing I really like is repetition of, you know, doing something. Not repetition, the same thing, but doing something for a long time where you can really get into it. You know, that's that's really cool. Uh, uh, you know, whether it's stand-up or doing, not doing one show over and over. Oh, yeah. Doing a series of shows. You know, so doing like... Nine years, you would get really good at it. Like in a, doing a sitcom for nine years, the, the, the character would grow. That, that's what I'm talking about. The growth of doing something for a while, you know, painting for a while, or soldering for a while, or you know, doing bike tricks for a while. You know, you get better and better at it. soldering and bike tricks. It's really cool. <laughs> Just not at the same time. <laughs> well, you could try it. That would be a good trick. I mean, you could get on, uh, you know, the show that show business show. <laughs> you know, uh, star the star thing. I don't know, whatever that. America's show got is. talent. I don't watch much television. What? America's got talent. Yeah, yeah, yes. I do. Uh, I ride my bike and solder at the same time. I solder my handlebars off and on while still balancing on the bike and keeping it moving. Yeah, that would get on. Uh, so yeah. I'm, I'm all for that. Anyway, Ian, thanks for calling, man. Yeah, Larry, it's always pleasure. nice talking to you, bud. Have a good uh, rest of your day. Uh, okay, and, uh, you know, wear your mask, stay sequestered, or get vaccinated, whatever, you know. Cool. And good luck to all you homo sapiens out there. Have a good time. <laughs> bye, Ian. All right, bye, Larry. Thanks a lot. Okay, bye. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a great night. <laughs>